Good evening. Merry Christmas. You know, each year, we read the story of our Savior's birth, and so we know the characters pretty well by now. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the angels, the magi, the donkeys, the sheep, and of course, the innkeeper, who happens to be one of the more disliked and misunderstood characters in the story. But the irony is that in the Bible, there's really no mention of an innkeeper. The closest reference we have is what we heard read tonight in Luke 2.7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We assume there's an innkeeper. But you know what? It gets more interesting because the Greek word that Luke used for inn is kataluma, which in a literal translation means guest room. It doesn't even mean in. You know, there are other Greek words used in scripture that mean in. Luke didn't use those. He used a word that meant guest room, like a spare room in someone's home. But it makes sense if we remember why Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus had told everyone, go to your hometowns where your families come from because I need to take a census. And so it was also customary of that time and culture that you would stay with family. So this innkeeper is really a relative of Joseph. Now, doesn't that make what he did a little harsher? It does to me. He didn't have any room for Mary and Joseph where the people were sleeping. So he sent them where the animals were sleeping, in the dirty, smelly hay. Now, this past month, my mom had been down for a few weeks to get out of the chilly north. Now, how would it have gone if I said, hey, mom, I know you need a place to stay, but our guest room is already taken. But you know what? The dog's bed is available for you. It's not quite the guest room, Mom, I know, but it's a bed, and it's available. Now, you would have thought I was a really nasty, horrible person for doing that to my mom. You say, who does that? And so we look at this relative, this innkeeper, and we ask ourselves, who could do that to someone in their own family? especially someone that is carrying the Savior of the world. But the truth is, we do it more often than we want to admit. See, Luke was intentional in using this word guest room because it involves a personal connection between the innkeeper and Mary and Joseph and Jesus. In our traditional understanding of the innkeeper, he was just a stranger. He didn't even know this family. He was disconnected from them. And so to a small degree, we excuse his behavior. By default, we use the same excuse in our behavior too. Oh, I don't know, it's okay, I don't know them. See, in this relative innkeeper's home, there was no room because it was full of people, 
full of people. Was there no other person willing to give up their spot for Mary and Joseph? Mary was pregnant. Why was everyone disregarding, even ignoring the very plight of Mary and Joseph? Because they couldn't see Jesus. We make the same mistake. If the innkeeper had understood who Jesus was, then he would have made different arrangements. He would have moved some of his other guests to make room for the Savior of the world. We can make the same mistake as the innkeeper. During the Christmas season, we see Jesus everywhere. We see him all around us. He's on our Christmas cards. He's in our Christmas carols. He's in our nativity scenes. He's in movies. Sometimes he's even on the wrapping paper. But do we understand who Jesus really is? He is God in the flesh. He is the Savior of the world. And it's still easy to miss Jesus. The innkeeper and his guests, they didn't expect to God, for God to arrive as a baby. Born to a poor family in an obscure little town called Bethlehem. They had their expectations of who the Messiah was going to be. And so they missed him. They couldn't see him because he didn't fit into their expectations. And we do the same thing. Sure, we see him Christmas season. But what about December 26th, the 27th, the 20th? What about January, February, March? We have our expectations of Jesus, too. Of course, we expect to see him in our church services and in our Bible studies and in our prayers. But what about in the mundane and the tedious of our lives? Do we expect to see Jesus in the moments that seem, at least on the surface, to be unimportant, insignificant? Do we expect to see him in the smile of a stranger? Or when we take the time to hear how a stranger's day is really going? Do we expect to see him in the eyes of the homeless person that needs a meal? Or do we see these things as interruptions instead of invitations to see Jesus? I wonder if that's how the innkeeper and the guests saw Joseph and Mary. Interruptions. Just interruptions to their family time. My mind just can't grab a hold of how no one, no one in that space was willing to give up room for the pregnant lady. You know, when I was growing up, I had to take the bus with mom to get to the grocery store. And we were taught if that bus is full and a lady walks on or an elderly person, you get up out of your seat and you offer that seat. 
here they are at the inn, full, and a pregnant woman's walking in. And they're relatives, remember. They're all part of an f- extended family. And nobody was willing to give up their space. Couldn't a family rearrange some sleeping arrangements? Hey, kids, we're putting you on the floor because someone else needs the bed. What's even more puzzling is that even after Jesus was born in the place where the animals were sleeping, the news had to have filtered into that inn. But there was no mention of not even one of the guests coming to check on the newborn and his mother. What can we say about those people as we look back? We can say they cared more about their comfort than the needs of others. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the story of the Good Samaritan, where a man was left near death on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. A Levite and a priest, two of the people who you would have thought would stop, should have cared. They saw the man, they saw his need, and they walked on the other side. It was the Samaritan man that stopped to help. He didn't see him as an interruption. Rather, he saw the wounded man as an invitation to see Jesus. See, the importance and the irony of no room at the inn is that though the Savior of the world wasn't invited in with the people on that night, God was offering all the people an invitation to see him in Jesus. And he was only seen as an interruption, not an invitation. Because that invitation has stood for 2,000 years. It's offered to each of us every single day of our lives. But the sad part is that like the guests at the inn, we see his invitation as merely an interruption. We're so busy putting God in a box and expecting him to be in the places of our designing that we miss him completely. Jesus was born into a world of darkness so that his light would shine all the more radiantly for others to see. Isaiah prophesied it this way in 9-2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. We still live in a dark world. The Apostle Paul described it in his second letter to Timothy as a place where people are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They're boastful and prideful, abusive, ungrateful, unforgiving, not lovers of good, but pursuers of evil. You know, we used to have to watch the news to see the bad in the world, but now it happens right in front of our eyes everywhere we go. Why hasn't the world changed in 2,000 years? All this time, it hasn't changed. Could it be that we still can't see Jesus? He told us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
He called us to shine that light. But how can we reflect his light if we can't even see him? Just like the innkeeper and his guests on that first Christmas night, we're so wrapped up in our own expectations. We're so wrapped up in our own circumstances and in our own comfort. We miss God's invitations to see Jesus. And by default, we miss the invitation to help others see Jesus. A couple of months ago, we were at an intersection, and it was one where the hopefuls, homeless, we call them hopefuls at Sawgrass, the hopefuls were there, and, and we were several cars back from the stoplight. And we watched this gentleman walk down with his sign by the first car, and the second car, and the third, and the fourth, and he got to our car, we rolled down our window, and we started talking to David, and we asked how he was doing, and uh, we gave him a little money. And he was, his tears filled his eyes, and he thanked us. But the coolest thing was when he went to the next car. Amen. The window was rolled down, and they handed him money, and the car behind them. And then we watched some other cars do the same thing. See, in that moment, and I'll tell you, I don't always see the invitation. I'm just as guilty as everybody else, but in that moment, I saw the invitation, and I saw what God did with that light because others picked it up and ran with it. And just last month, there was a gentleman. We had gone to Hobby Lobby. That's one of my favorite places. It's my guilty pleasure. But we had gone to um, Hobby Lobby, and we were about to get back in the car. And a man started calling out to us, Hey, hey, do you remember me? do you remember me? And we looked over at him. He said, you look familiar. He said, it's Terrence. I'm Terrence. He said, you used to meet me at that intersection over there. And every time I was begging for money, he said, you talked to me, you asked me my name and you prayed with me. He said, but I want you to know this. I've been hoping that I could see you again because I'm on my feet. And I just want to thank you for the words of encouragement that you gave me. It's the difference between an invitation and an interruption. Do we want to see Jesus or do we want our comfort? <laughs> I imagine some of us are saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I always see Jesus. I always accept his invitation every time. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're lying. Because nobody does it every time. We need to be careful with those kind of statements that we don't find ourselves fulfilling Paul's description of the dark world, boastful and prideful. I would challenge each of us, as the psalmist says, to bring our thoughts before the Father. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The good news is that God will always help us see Jesus. Just like that first Christmas, he invites each of us to see him. The choice is always ours to make. 
Do we recognize his invitations or disregard them as interruptions? The challenge for each of us is that we take the joy, is that we take the peace and the anticipation of better things to come that we have on Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve. And we take it into our January and our February and our March because Jesus isn't present just at Christmas. He is with us every day of the year. And he invites us to see him and show him to others. If you have yet to see Jesus, the Apostle John said, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Paul said in Romans, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is your invitation to see Jesus. And if you've seen Jesus, but you struggle to see him in the tedious and in the mundane of everyday life, then pay attention to these words from Jesus in Matthew 25. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You want to see Jesus, it's right there. That is your invitation. They're not interruptions. Those moments are invitations to see Jesus himself. It's about taking this Christmas feeling into the entire year and showing the world out there This is what we have. This is what makes us different. Come and take a taste of Jesus. You know, I couldn't help but realize that the innkeeper and his guests, they've been known for 2,000 years for disregarding Jesus, for rejecting his invitation to see him and share him with others. I mentioned earlier how the disregard of Jesus by the innkeeper and his guest was really the modern-day equivalent of offering our dog's bed for others. And we can laugh over that, but is it really that far-fetched? When we disregard Jesus' invitation to see him and help others to see him through us in our selfless acts, we're dismissing the fact that every person is made in the image of God. And that every person, as the Apostle Paul states in Ephesians 2, is one of God's masterpieces, a soul that he came to earth to redeem. Shouldn't they also be worthy of our time, our attention, our care, our compassion, our mercy, our grace? 
Isn't that why we're celebrating tonight? Because that's why he came. Don't the people that God puts in our path deserve to be seen as more than mere interruptions to our day? The world is in desperate, desperate, desperate need of Jesus' light. And it's in you. May we commit this day to seeing Jesus outside of our limited view and see his invitations to reflect him, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. Because I don't think any of us want to be remembered for having people on the dog bed. That's not what we're made for. That's not what we're called apart for. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your one and only son for us, that we may be saved, that we may be redeemed, and that we may bring you out to others. Lord, give us the courage to show your light. Give us the wisdom to know when to speak up and when to not. Lord, we thank you for this time. With praise and honor on our lips, we thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.